Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day? It is late August, and so we are winding down those summer days, looking towards the changing of the seasons. I hope you're taking some time to just be still, because this is another kind of shifting, another kind of change on top of all the things that are happening in the world right now. So be kind to yourself and take a moment to enjoy some beauty in something as simple as a deep breath, in something as simple as just being still. Hmm. And so today I'm going to flip the pages of our beautiful book, The Gift by Hafez. It's translated by Daniel Ladinsky. And we'll see what will come of us today. Oh, and here we go. I've got, it's what's funny about uh, flipping the pages in the book is, okay, which side do I read? The left side or the right side? And well, my eyes fell on the left side. So we'll go with this poem. It's called The Body, a Tree. The body, a tree, God, a wind. When he moves me like this, like this, angels bump heads with each other, gathering beneath my cheeks, holding their wine barrels, catching the brilliant tear, pearl rain. Hmm. And you know, it's funny, I've had this book for some years now. Um, I want to say it's at least at least 15 years Uh, and and so I'm familiar with a lot of the poems in this book but what I love is that even if I am familiar with the poem it lands differently Um, this poem is one of them and the thing is poems and things we read even though we read them over and over again they land differently every time because we are different people at the moment of contact, at the moment of dialogue with the piece that we're reading. Um, You know, often I tell my students, you might read a poem today and hate it and scratch your head and say, you know, I have no idea what this poem is about. I don't know what it's trying to say. It's dumb. It's stupid, whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, because that's that's how undergrads think. and if my undergrads are listening, I'm not talking about you. I promise. <laughs> you know better if you've been in my class. Um, but I tell them that to understand how we read things is informed by where we are in our lives in that very moment. And so when we read something, we're having a conversation with that piece. We're having a conversation about who we are in that moment of time and how that piece speaks to who we are. So they might find a poem totally 
you know, ambiguous, ambivalent, something they can't access when they're 19, 20 years old. And then I invite them, you know, read it again in five years, read it again in 10 years. See if maybe a new layer of understanding opens up for you. And so I'm thinking about this poem, The Body a Tree, and I'll read it again because it's, it's, a, it's a short one. The Body a Tree. The body a tree, God a wind. When he moves me like this, like this, angels bump heads with each other, gathering beneath my cheeks, holding their wine barrels, catching the brilliant tear, pearl, rain. And so I know it's funny because this poem, I actually remember a previous reading of the poem and what stood out for me then, which is not something that happens very often. And I'm comparing it to what is standing out for me now. So then, you know, in my previous encounter with this poem, the image of the angels bumping heads with each other, gathering beneath my cheeks, stood out for me a lot. Um, where I was thinking, wow, it's really, um, it's really something else to see the angels fight for my tears, you know, if I'm going to put myself in the poem. But this time around, I'm really focusing on the body as a tree and God as the wind. And I'm really struck by that um, because I'm thinking about how especially now where a large part of existence is digital, right? With the pandemic happening, a lot of people are on video conference calls. Um, Sometimes they opt for those over regular phone conversations. And, um, And so we see each other and it's really great to see people even virtually Uh, But it's not the same as being present with them, being physically present. And this is probably obvious to all of you, but hold on a second, just bear with me. So what happens is that we start to understand our existence as something intangible. Because we see ourselves on a screen, we forget that we have a body. We forget that our spirit lives inside a physical temple. And looking at this poem, I'm reminded of our bodies and how beautiful it is to think about it as a tree, to think about how we can be so rooted into the earth, how we can be supported by the earth as we experience the world that we're in now. I mean, right now, this world is ever shifting. Um, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that the pandemic is something that has really forced us to understand that the only constant thing in this life, the only thing we can depend on is change. And so how do we navigate those changes? How do we deal with those changes? A lot of people, they are resistant to it and they say, no, 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 no. We got to go back to the, the old way things were. We need to go back to you know, the routine that I'm comfortable with, that I'm familiar with. Um, And then others are more open to it where they say, oh, okay, so so this is how it is. All right, let's, let's make some adjustments. Let's get used to wearing a mask when we go food shopping. Let's get used to talking to people from a distance, which I'm, I'm still not used to. Um, 
when I when I see people and I talk to people I know and we're being socially distant, it still feels kind of awkward to stand so far away from them. But, you know, everyone can adjust. But I'm thinking about how our bodies can be the thing that holds us solid and steady in these weird changes, these these new transformations of existing um, and how the earth can support us. I know that for a lot of people, this change just feels too unsettling to really get our bearings. And so I invite folks to, and I do this a lot with my, um, both my undergraduate students, but also my yoga and meditation students. I invite folks to go outside and to place your feet, bare feet on the earth, on the grass, and really feel yourself standing tall on the earth. You know, don't do it on the, on the driveway because that's not the point. Go to the grass, go to the dirt if you don't have grass, you know, it's okay to get dirty. And just allow yourself to feel a literal grounding. Feel your body really rooting into the earth and then feel the earth supporting you. Feel the earth rising up to meet you. Maybe you'll feel a little almost imperceptible current of energy from the earth. And if you have enough space and you feel comfortable doing it, lie down in the grass, lie down in the dirt, get your whole body on the earth and notice what that feels like. Notice how you can reset, how you can recalibrate all of your, what I like to think of as sort of frazzled nerves, your fractured energy centers, you know, because all that online time really wears us down. And I, I have no idea what it's doing to our nervous system if we're going to talk about our physiology. But I do know that really grounding into the earth is so nourishing and it feels so good to just reset in that way. And so I wanted to use this poem as an invitation for us to remember that we have bodies, that our brains, our minds, our spirits, are all housed in this physical, material body. And how God is a wind. That's the second line of the poem. God is the wind in your branches. And so how I see that is we take guidance from that. We don't resist it. You know, have you ever seen trees you know, swaying in strong winds. It doesn't even have to be um, a storm or anything. It's just like a strong gust of wind comes through and you see the branches and the leaves fluttering. They move with the wind. You know, to a certain extent, of course, you know, sometimes there's, there's storm um, level winds that knock trees over and things like that. But the trees generally allow for the wind to come through and they bend with the wind. And so what might it be like for us to bend with the changes that are going on in the world? Not necessarily 
lie down and be complacent and just say, okay, I give up. That's, you know, that's how it's going to be. But more, okay, so this is happening. What is the best way for me to adjust so that I can live my best life? Um, I'm thinking, you know, also of our current um, climate with regards to social justice, with regards to anti-racist measures, and how we need to think about that same question of how can we allow for these changes to happen and how can I participate in those changes in a way that goes with the flow? You know, not forcing something, but also not fighting it. Um, When I say fighting it, I mean like not resisting it. So for example, um, I know that a lot of places, a lot of workplaces are incorporating um, anti-racist programming. And, you know, I appreciate the efforts that are being done. And I know that it'll be received and it has been received with mixed results. You know, some people, they just kind of go through it, go through the motions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Got it. Some totally resist it. They fight it. They're like, you know, why do we have to do this? It's ridiculous. Things were fine the way they were. And some people, um, you know, work to incorporate these um, new ideas, these not necessarily, well, they're not new ideas. It's more new realizations, we'll say. And move in ways that are like the wind through the trees where they'll say oh okay this is coming through all right let me see how I can incorporate this into my own life into my own way of seeing the world into my own actions Um, so yeah I just was thinking about how God moving like a wind through the tree that is represented by your body is such an apt metaphor for adjusting and adapting to what's happening today with regards to the pandemic, with regards to racial justice. Um, and how useful it is for us to bend to flows of energy rather than trying to block it or dam it up. Uh, it doesn't really serve anyone to to act in that way um so that's my take on the poem and i'm i'm thinking about as i'm talking i'm thinking about how this might relate to a lot of things that have happened in my day so far it's been a very full day uh already and um, as we get closer to the start of school there's there's so many last minute things that are popping up you know forums need to be filled out uh, protocols are changing my kids school you know they said we'll go hybrid and then they were like no we're gonna go all virtual until um, mid-october and then we'll see so everything is on the fly Uh, and i'm trying to keep up with all the shifting and all the adjusting and you know they're they're doing their best and i do not envy that job at all (laughs) but um but what i'm noticing is how I'm responding to these things, you know? Um, And and the same goes for for my teaching. Um, We've got a few different 
things that are popping up, some shifting, some changing, uh, some requests on revising our curriculum to include conversations um, around anti-racist measures. And, um, and, you know, I am moving with the flow. I am allowing that wind to move through my branches and, and I'll adjust. Um, but what I'm curious about is how others might be responding. Uh, I've been doing, you know, meditation practice for some time now. I've been practicing yoga for some time. My spiritual journey has been, um, going on for for quite a while that I have these skills and tools that I can use to adapt to sudden shifts and changes Um, and I can adapt to overwhelm because I I will admit there was uh, earlier today a moment where I was like oh my gosh there's a lot going on here Uh, am I going to go into overwhelm is it is it coming am I going to kick into it Um, And if you've been following my Instagram lives, I I do a Tuesday tips on Instagram live. Uh, If you want to go to my Instagram, it's at Surya Gyan Yogi. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes if you want to follow. But every Tuesday morning, I leave a tip about overwhelm. And if you've been following along, you know that I've said on more than one occasion that overwhelm is a choice. And for those of you that are listening for the first time, you might be like, whoa, 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 hey, what? There's, there's no way that I'm choosing overwhelm. What are you, crazy lady? Um, it's not a deliberate choice. It is a choice nonetheless. It is a choice that um, we have been conditioned to select based on our upbringing, where there is overwhelm. You know, you've got a giant to-do list or a lot of things are happening that are coming at you that demand attention. Like, you know, this school says, we need you to do this by this date or that school needs to say, hey, you know what, we're going to do this and and instill this thing. Um, Or, you know, your job is like, hey, you need to show up for this, this and this and these meetings and these trainings and all every external thing is coming at you. And we've been we've been conditioned both in our upbringing, but also in our nervous system responses that when something overwhelming comes, you have two options. It is either power through or hide under the covers. Now, if you think about overwhelm as a choice, what might be different? What do you think there could be a choice that isn't one of those two options? Do you think you could choose differently? I think so. So take a step back and ask yourself, all right, if overwhelm is a choice, why am I choosing it? Well, nervous system response says, we got to keep you safe. This is just overstimulation and we're going to keep you safe physiologically. So we're going to just shut down all the sensory gates. We're going to shut down the whole body. Depends on, you know, depends on the person, of course. But for empaths, that's generally the the (laughs) go-to protocol. But what if you could step back and say, all right, this looks like a lot of information. This looks like a lot of stuff. But does it have to be 
met with overwhelm? Can it be met with, okay, I see you, I'm gonna pause, and then I will reprioritize. I will take an assessment of what needs to get done or what needs to be addressed and how and how much time it may or may not take and trust that all will get done whenever it needs to get done. You know, there's this quote, it's so funny, I have these, um, I, I drink tea uh, by the traditional medicinals um, as one of my go-to brands and no, they're not paying me though. <laughs> it would be funny to say, hey, I just gave you a sponsor spot. Um, they have messages on their on their their tea bags and there's one quote that I love which is nature does not hurry yet all is accomplished and I'm trying to remember who said that I see it so often that I just forget but I'll put it in the show notes I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes but if you think about it right the birds eat and they don't hurry you know the squirrels and the chipmunks they find their food that they need there's no hurry the trees they do their thing everything in nature does their own thing no one's in a hurry it's only us humans so what if we decided that we can trust ourselves to take care of what we need to take care of knowing that it will all be accomplished whenever it needs to be accomplished. I know it sounds so simple and ridiculous, right? You know, you might be saying, okay, lady, you're crazy, you know, because I live in the Northeast and everyone is like, I needed it done yesterday. Well, guess what? I live in the Northeast too. <laughs> um, but, but think about how overwhelm might be a choice. Um, and how that might shift your way of approaching the things in your life. Because if we start from within, more often than not, we are better equipped to deal with the things without. And when I say without, I mean the things on the outside of us, right? So what if you approached this coming changing of the seasons with knowing that you've got you've got this that you can handle it in a way that feels kind in a way that feels peaceful and in a way that does not cause you stress in a way that does not even begin to activate overwhelm I know, I know. For, for those of you that, are, that don't have any kind of regular meditation practice or yoga practice, you might just be like, lady, you are out of your mind. So here, I invite you to try an experiment. Okay? So starting today, whenever you are listening to this, for the next, let's say, five days, okay? I want you to take notice of the moments when you feel overwhelmed. Take notice of your response to that overwhelm. And don't judge it and don't try to change it. Just say, okay, I'm noticing I'm overwhelmed and I'm freaking out a little bit and I feel like I need a cup of coffee. 
or I need a glass of wine or a beer or a candy bar or ice cream. You know, for me, it's always food, right? <laughs> or I need to take a nap or I need to, um, you know, shut off my phone and, you know, hide in my room and not come out for days. Just notice what your response is to overwhelm. Maybe not five days because I want, I want you to try something within the week. So three days, three days. Take, take inventory, I'll say. You know, just take a log of your go-to response to overwhelm. All right. See if you can find a pattern. We'll say over the next three days. All right. Just don't do anything else. Just do that. And then the three days after that, try to practice just being still. First thing in the morning, just take two minutes. Two minutes is nothing in the large scheme of 24 hours, right? Take two minutes, first thing in the morning, it has to be first thing in the morning, to just sit and breathe. Even if it means like go in the bathroom and sit on the toilet, like you don't, I mean, do your business or whatever, but sit on the toilet seat, make sure no one's disturbing you. Two minutes, close the eyes and just breathe and focus your attention on breathing, noticing what it feels like to breathe. Notice the cool air coming in the nose, notice it coming in through the body and then noticing the breath leaving the body. Okay, allow yourself to relax in that breathing and then notice throughout those second three days after doing this breath practice, what happens when you get overwhelmed? Is the response the same? Is the response different? If it's even the slightest bit different, even if it's a, a mind shift or a noticing, what is that thing? And just write it down, you know, six days. There you go. Six day experiment, you know, does it cost you any money? Does it cost you anything? Just pay attention and see if there's a way that you can shift that response to overwhelm. Just notice it, you know, don't try so hard. Um, and then report back, you know, send me a message, you know, DM me on Instagram or put a comment in, uh, I'm going to post a, put up a post for the, for this episode of the podcast, put a comment in there. Um, either way, just let me know how it goes and, and then we'll see. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think I like that and it'll help you just understand that perhaps overwhelm after all is a choice. Hmm, very interesting. So I hope to hear from you guys and uh, let me know the results. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up this episode because I know that there's a lot of other things I'd like to share and I might just spiral into a very long episode. And I know a lot of people appreciate the shorter episodes interspersed with the longer ones. So I will close the episode with this um, poem from the book called Love Poems from God, 12 Sacred Voices from the East and West. So we're just going to flip through like we did with the first poem. And this is called... Hold on. This is called prof- 
professional counseling by this poet Kabir. So just a little about a little bit about Kabir. Kabir was a great religious reformer in his time, as well a famous artist and musician, founding a sect that still claims to have a million followers. He achieved a remarkable synthesis of Hindu, Muslim, and even Christian belief. Uh, some present-day readers of Kabir liken him to something of a tough guy, a Zen bruiser, a divine smart aleck. But there are many dimensions of this great master that one can bring to light, including his rarely revealed tenderness and his delicious freeing humor. So that said, and there's much more about him you can look up, but I just wanted to give you a little context on who we're reading. So this poem is called Professional Counseling. Again, this is translated by uh, Daniel Ladinsky. Professional Counseling. From the ocean, I heard a million fish say, give me a beer, quick. I replied, dears, how can that be? How can a fish in the water want a drink? Well, that's how wacky things have gotten. Who else but Maya could pull a fast one like that and get away with it? Seriously speaking, though, the fish in the water is a thirsty... Oh, the fish in the water that is thirsty needs serious professional counseling. <laughs> I have to think about that poem. But just for those who are not familiar, Maya is the yoga term for illusion. So it means how we are seeing the world is through illusion. Because often what we see externally distracts us from who we are at essence internally. But I'll have to think on this poem a little bit. I may have to read it over. You guys can replay this little portion and then you let me know what you think. So on that note, I will close this episode as I always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Are you an empath who's tired of dealing with overwhelm and other people's energy? Get on the wait list for my membership community, Empowered Empaths, where we come together to support and empower each other to set boundaries and build resilience as we step into our calling to raise the vibration of the collective consciousness. In the membership, we practice yoga and meditation, hold sacred healing circles, hear from guest speakers, and engage in pop-up events like tarot card readings. Membership doors open on Sunday, September 20th for just four days. For more information and to sign up for the waitlist, go to suryagian.com slash membership waitlist. Your best life starts now.